When you picture the independent agent of the future, what do you envision? Is it a daily grind drowning in service requests and non-revenue generating activities? Or do you dream of a day when you're free to do all the things that you love about insurance, building and implementing effective marketing strategies and onboarding new clients while taking your agency to revenue heights you never thought possible? Well, my friends, the future is now. With the premier independent agent self-servicing platform, Glovepox, you can finally get back to what got you into insurance in the first place, the freedom. Let Glovebox, let the Glovebox platform deliver an amazing customer experience to your policyholders with direct-to-carrier connections. This is not connecting to your management system or anything like that, guys. This is direct connection with the carriers. With Glovebox, you can finally take back what you love about being an insurance agent and watch your revenue skyrocket. Schedule your demo with Glovebox today. Make sure you mention the Insurance Guys podcast for 20% off of your monthly subscription for life. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless leader and host, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome. He is a six foot three sophomore from Sarah Land, Alabama. Parade first team All-American rivals five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? Great, Scott. How are you today? Best I have ever been, Bradley Flowers. Scott Howell. I have a message from the greatest podcast ever recorded in the history of the insurance industry four or five weeks ago, part one of our personal lines, sales process, and insurance by Miss Jessica Miller. She has a message that she wanted me to relay to all 250,000 insurance agents listening today. Here is the message. She calls me about three days ago in a panic. And the she message says, is, stop calling me and trying to hire me. <laughs> no, she calls me and she goes, I need you to tell everybody something. And I said, what's that? And she said, in the past month, you know, when she gets a no, when she cold calls somebody and somebody says no to her, she writes them a handwritten thank you note on a little, like a little card that we have that we use. It's nothing, mm -hmm. nothing crazy. I think it's this card right here, actually. If you, I don't know, I know you guys can't see this, but it's just a little card that we have. And it says, Hey, I really appreciate you taking a moment to speak with me. If anything changes or you'd like to get a quote in the future, please let me know. Thanks, Jessica. She said she had written five households in the past 30 days of people who told her no on the phone. And she sent this little postcard with her business card inside and they call her back and basically apologize and say, hey, I know I might have been a little bit of an ass on the phone. I was having a bad day that day. Uh, I got your card. I really appreciate you sending me this handwritten card. Can I get a quote from you? I'm just passing that along to the listening audience. So she kind of, in the first episode of the part two-part sales process on personal lines, mm -hmm. she said, I send them a handwritten note, but she almost glossed over it. Yeah. So I'm just sending that to you, all of you, so that you can put that in your little sales process to make sure you send out a handwritten note to those people who do tell you no, unless they cuss you out and tell you never to call them again. Probably wouldn't send them a handwritten note. 
but uh, that's not going to happen a ton. Bradley, you're in the throes of pregnancy right now. Tell our listening audience we're getting close to the finish line. You've been putting we probably together. will be in the finish line once this releases. When this podcast comes out, Bradley will have been with child. <laughs> there is a pile. Uh, I can actually see it. I'll send you a picture of it later today out in my backyard. It's about six foot in diameter and about four foot tall of boxes. And it is my burn pile. And if anybody wants to know, what that's from it's from all the stuff we keep getting in the mail whether it's stuff that we ordered or stuff that people sent us and last night a box came in big box that was uh, uh and i and i gave up a couple of weeks ago breaking the boxes down and putting them in the dumpster i just said i'm just gonna make me a burn pile and last night a humidifier came in it was about four foot tall box was pretty big and i said i asked laurel i said dear god is this the last box we're getting she's like yeah that should be the last one and this morning the phone rings and it was a friend of ours and he said hey i sent you guys something in the mail and i walked out there and there's a huge box of diapers which i'm appreciative of but i'm like oh my god more boxes i'm having nightmares about boxes but no just that's all kidding it, it's great it's awesome we're currently right now working from home we've got to think about two weeks left and uh, we are quarantining so we don't have any mishaps and not, you know, one of us has to not be in the room with the other and that sort of thing. So I am super productive working from home, super productive working from home. I don't like working from home, though. So anyway, that's it. Sorry, I, I know I overshared. I have never been productive working from home. If you want to talk about self-awareness for a minute, I think my first step in the road to self-awareness was looking myself in the mirror and realizing Scott cannot work from home. <laughs> There's too many things to get done. There's stuff that has to happen. And I'm folding clothes. I will do anything but work if I'm at home. Yeah. I, I just simply don't have the self-discipline to do it. Now, see, can- I'm not like that. I don't have that gene where like I see stuff in my backyard that needs tending to and I go do it. Yeah. I just don't like my father-in-law is like that. Like he'll come over and he'll automatically just start working in my yard Yeah, or like doing whatever, you know, I don't have that gene. I'm like so enthralled in whatever I'm doing at that moment. I can't just let the, the wondering eye go towards the activities that need to be done. Not to say that my backyard is in disarray or my house is not put together. It is, but anyway, well, let's go ahead and give these guys the podcast they deserve today. It's that time. Guys, I am humbled and honored to have our guest on the show today. He is a great American. I have gotten to know him through Facebook Messenger over the past two or three months, and I've really enjoyed spending some time with him there. I was extremely excited when I found out he was going to be on the podcast today. And so without further ado, please allow me to give him the introduction that he has always deserved. He was born, raised, and lives in New Orleans, Louisiana. He is married to the beautiful Jennifer, and if I'm not mistaken, he has three beautiful babies. Is it four or three? They're three, and one is 17, not quite a baby. I understand. The baby's eight. He is a graduate of Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business, and today he is a certified financial planner, president of Garcia Financial Group, and owner of Garcia Insurance Services. He is also the co-host of the Building Us podcast, a podcast about relationships with people, community, and money. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor today to introduce to you 
first-time guest on the IGP, Mr. Eric Garcia. How are you, Eric? I am fantastic. I am honored to be on this podcast with you. We have got so much to talk about today. I do have a question though before we jump into anything. I don't want I don't want to take over here, but like is Please. is Bradley really 6-3? No. Bradley is 5-3. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> Bradley's Bradley's like 5-9, five, 5-10, five, I believe. Yeah, he, he's like average average hot. I'm average. average hot. Everything's average. Cuz even on Facebook average. he looks short. I'm just yeah. saying. <laughs> No, I did that when we started the podcast just because I was sitting there, you know, playing high school and college basketball, you get introduced a lot in the starting lineup at different schools, mm-hmm. different high schools, different colleges, especially your college. They'll introduce you and they always introduce the visitors like, hey, it's blah, blah, blah. And then they get to your team if you're at home and they're like, and now six foot three, you know, that kind of thing. Did you see the meme where the dad said his son was playing Little League and he wanted to know why the other team got to change jerseys every week, but his team had to wear the same ones? He didn't realize that that they were playing the different teams every week. (laughs) Pretty funny. I like that. Yeah, it's funny. So anyway, when I came up with that, I was like, I can't say like five foot. You know, you got to say it's not impressive, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Eric, let's talk. Let's talk about a lot of things here today. Yeah. I want to help. The, our mission on this podcast is to help these insurance agents any way we can. You and I and Bradley can sit on here and talk for five hours about different things, but we're limited to about an hour, hour and a half. And our mission here is to help these insurance agents. So before we get into all of that, let's go back and get you and I get in my DeLorean. Let's do it. You you travel back in time. Talk to us about how you got into the insurance industry and kind of bring us up to today. Yeah, man. So I was kind of born into the industry, no lie. My dad was a captive agent with American National from the day that I was born. I might be the only guy, maybe not, maybe the only insurance agent who like knew they were going to go into insurance when they were like, you know, still in diapers, right? It was a pretty sad life. Oh, my, sad my life. kid that's about to be born has a pretty strong chance, I would say. Yeah, that, that poor child. Sad <laughs> life, sad life. So anyway, went to went to business school at Tulane. Loved it. Had this unbelievable professor who was, he taught entrepreneurship. He had a business here locally in New Orleans. And I went to his office for office hours one day. And I walk in, he's trading one of his investment accounts. And I'm like, oh, this is interesting. He's like, hey, you want to watch me trade my account? I'm like, yeah. And this, this dude is like, he's like, he was top New Orleans business owner. Like everyone knows his business, lives on one of the most expensive streets or lived on one of the most expensive streets in New Orleans. And I'm like, I'm in his office, college student, watching him trade his investment account. And I kind of fell in love with, with the investment world. Had another experience at Tulane where I did a work study. I didn't take the class, but I did a work study for a program called the Birken Road Reports. And basically what they did was they they did kind of stock market type of financial analysis on small cap publicly traded companies in the South, in the deep South. And they would travel to these companies and visit with their their, their executives and the vendors. And I worked alongside of the guy who ran the program. So man, I, I got this view of of kind of the investment world that was that was unique. So I'm like, man, maybe maybe I want to do investments. Were they right, were so, they trying to get the inside on these different companies to see if they wanted to invest in them? Is that what they were doing? So they would actually publish a compendium every year of all these companies with buy, hold, um, sell recommendations. Hancock Bank. I don't know if you have Hancock up in Alabama. They were bought by Whitney yep. or they merged at Whitney. Hancock Bank, the investment arm, actually launched a mutual fund 
based off of the research of the program. And I was working at the program when they put it together. So it's kind of a cool experience to watch that happen. So I had this experience. I'm like, man, I don't really want to do insurance. I want to do investments. So I interviewed with the top investment companies and Man, one of them, I was I was actually hurt, Scott. They didn't one of them didn't call me back. I took the personality test and I didn't apparently have the personality for it. Right. Um, long story short, I ended up going to work with American National, the company my dad was with, because they had a broker dealer attached to the insurance company. Right. Oh, if you remember all the captives, they're all that. trying to get everyone licensed back then. This was in two thousand and one. That's how I got in the insurance business. In two thousand and four, my dad and I actually became one agent. I did, or one agency, I did all the life insurance and investments, and he did all the PNC. Katrina hit, man, pulled me back into the property market, I guess pretty much six to nine months of nothing but but claims and talking to clients. And then um, 2008, I left insurance completely, went independent on the financial side. And insurance world post-Katrina New Orleans, especially closer to Katrina, was just chaotic, man. Like, no one was writing. So the company my dad was with, they pretty much stopped writing. And he had clients walking out his door, 20, 30-year relationships, clients in tears leaving him. And I saw that because we had my office was in the same building. And I saw that. I'm like, man, I, this, this isn't right. So we launched the independent side, or I launched it with my brother who moved back to New Orleans in 2010. I was more on the business side. I knew the industry. I had relationships with people in the industry. So I kind of did the business side, did admin side. My brother did the I would say the, the the grunt work, the grind, the writing. So it was my brother and then my current day business owner. They just, for, for a year, man, they just sat in an office and wrote a ton of business. And that's how we started the independent side. Just for your listeners to know, I may have written, I can probably count on both hands the amount of policies that I've actually written for our agency. So I'm definitely more of, a, of an owner, kind of visionary, the strategic side for the industry, for the, for the agency. That's my story, man. And I still operate as well an investment firm, um, financial planning side. So I, I've always said since the very first podcast we ever did that one of the biggest failures of my life will be if I don't figure out some way to create an investment arm of iProtect Insurance. The I think the the problem with doing that is. As you know, in order to get your like Series 6, 63, all the stuff you need to get, you can't really hire a jam up, great, fantastic guy to do investments for you unless you have all the licenses yourself. Yeah. It's that situation. And I've always said that independent agencies have kind of missed the boat with our distribution system and all the, the customers that we have that we probably could do some form of financial planning for, even if it's not annuities, things like that. I think, I think the way you do it is on, is, is you either get the licenses and you hire some, you know, one thing that JAG insurance did, uh, which it was more life insurance, not investments. But what they did is they built up this really big PNC book. Then they went and found the best financial advisor, best life insurance guy in Miami, hired him of course, there's a ton of value for him because he has this huge book of very affluent clients mm. to cross-sell to and did that or forming some sort of referral relationship. Right. Uh, you know, we actually it's, just formed not a joint venture partnership, but a referral partnership with a financial firm here locally that doesn't necessarily want to offer PNC insurance, but they want to have that as a, a value add, a mechanism to control the process. 
Right. You know, it's not that they don't give a crap about making $150 on a homeowner's policy, but they don't want their clients buying their home insurance from an agent who also does financial services and they lose it that, you know what I mean? So I think that's the, one of the two ways you do it. Honestly, Scott, I think you could do it very easily. One of those two ways for sure. No, the challenge is that the, in the financial, you remember, uh, you know, when I was saying it, Bradley, you kind of shook your head, but back in the late nineties, early two thousands, all the captives were pushing almost like requiring all their agents to yep. get securities license. And they're starting to and do it w- again. Are they, are they, man? And what quickly happened was they realized like, wait a minute, the, the regulatory environment, it's, it's tough. It's, it's, yeah. it's a tough, it is getting, it is getting tighter it was and either- harder the end of the Obama presidency or the beginning of the Trump when something changed with, was it the FTC? There was some kind of law change that made a lot of those captives pull out and say, Nope, we're not doing this. I think it was the beginning of the Trump president. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You know, stuff like, you know, best interest and, you know, they wanted to basically, if you sold anything retirement related, they wanted to make you a fiduciary. So for a lot of those guys who have their six and their 63 selling, you know, selling a mutual fund on the side, you know, you don't have any liability other than at the point of sale. They call that suitability. Is this suitable at the point of sale? A fiduciary has an ongoing responsibility that says, not just at the point of sale, like five years from now, you still own this investment and Mm. I'm the advisor on it. Is it still appropriate? And if it's not, I've breached my fiduciary obligation. It it was a change in a lot of people. Fiduciary wording that caused a lot of them to say, no, we're not. You know, we're not. We're still dealing that. with it. We're still dealing yeah. with it, man. It's it's the number. Has of that gotten better? Smaller. Has that gotten better? Which is why a lot of them are going back into it. Or is it that, in your opinion, or is it that they have more checks and balances to prevent that kind of thing from? You know what I mean? It's constantly changing. I say it's not constantly changing. It's it's constantly potentially in flux, right? Depending on Congress, depending on the president, depending on what they want to do. Um, and it depends on the licenses that you hold. That's really what it comes down to. And there's a push for the, the guys who are fee only. Um, I'm fee based. So we do, we do advisory fee business. So I don't get commissions. Some business we do, the majority of what we do here is fee based. So I'm not selling you a mutual fund that's with a load or a commission. You're seeing that's a big push in the industry. It's a lot more transparent. The other way is getting paid a commission isn't wrong. And that's the problem that this is pitted. Like if you yeah. sell something with a commission, you're wrong, you're conflicted, you're dishonest. Well, you could be. I mean, mm-hmm. Bernie Madoff was was fee, you know, and he was clearly dishonest. So how you get paid doesn't necessarily make you honest was, or dishonest. He was all fee. <laughs> Everything was yeah. <laughs> there, yeah, there was no there's no there's no product there. So yeah, you guys help me out. You sound like you know a lot more about this than I do. So, Eric, if I want to have a financial services arm of I protect insurance and financial services. Now, we sell life insurance all day long over here. We probably sell five to 10 life policies a month because we have a broker mm-hmm. that we work with who has 10 or 12 of the top ranked life insurance products, prudential, a bunch of them that I could name off here that kind of spits out the best rate for the the person. It's a lot better than what we used to have. But if you wanted to sell financial services, financial planning stuff as an independent agent, do I have to, I was always under the impression I had to be licensed. Scott Howell has to be licensed. Is that not the case? Could I just hire, or I, I don't want to say partner with, but hire a financial planner that I felt like would do a good job with our book of business to do that? 
Mm, that's a good question. And I don't know that I can give a, a completely correct answer on now, that. Now, I, 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 I do know this. I do know that if you and I work something out, right, we're going to have a some type of agreement. And you are a certified financial planner. Mm-hmm. You have all of your, you know, uh, the things that you have, all the designations. And I don't have anything. It's almost impossible for you to pay me coming back my way. If I send you a client, if I it's send like you, Eric's, yeah, yeah, it's like you, it's like you splitting commissions with someone who's unlicensed. It's illegal. You can't do that. You can pay a finder's fee, but then you got to pay a finder's fee for every technically legally, right? Correct me if I'm wrong on the insurance side. I got to pay you a finder's fee for every prospect you send me, not just the ones right. that I close. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, unless, um, unless you have a guy like Bradley Flowers, who's scary smart and can figure out workarounds around just about anything. Now, yeah. maybe a guy like Bradley uh, and there's a lot of guys like Bradley out there in the industry that I know that seem to be able to find uh, either a loophole or a way around that. So, Bradley, help us out there. Do you know of any workaround or way <laughs> not, to get around that without going to jail? Not on the financial yeah. services side but, of things. I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not a fan of going to prison. I know on, you know on like the property and casualty side. There's some states that you know you consult with your attorney before taking this advice to heart. Uh, I know in some states there's, if you know, me and Eric form a joint venture, Eric's not licensed and I am, I can give him distributions. Um, there's some states that they don't give a crap what you do with the commission, as long as the person that's not licensed is not advising on insurance. So I think it depends on state on the PNC side. Have no idea on the financial services. Yeah, you, so you no can't tie idea. compensation. You can't tie compensation to the sale of the product. By the way, so yeah. like, if I refer you a uh, policy and you make four hundred bucks on it, you can't pay me a percentage of that. That that's if, if I'm not licensed, right? If I don't care that license, it's very similar on the financial side. No, can we? Can you have ownership in a firm? that you get some type of distribution or some type of, of salary that's not related to specifically or directly to investment fees or commissions, I believe you can. I don't know that for sure. Right. But and I believe that may you be can. the way around it. But I think first, I'm going to tell you, first, you have to define what financial services mean. That, that, that term is so loosely well, dude, used. Dude, I'll tell you what, one way you can help these agents out here, and that's what we're here for is define it for us because I'm not sure I fully understand. I know what life insurance is. I know what uh, annuities are. I know what 401ks are, but define that for us in a, in a way they can understand it. Yeah. So technically insurance is financial services, right? If I'm advising you on anything to do with that has to do with money, it's financial services. So when I'm acting as financial planner and a client's sitting down for me and I'm looking over their, all their stuff, I mean, I want to see I want to see their auto insurance. I want to make sure that my doctor client or my business owner client has two fifty five hundred with an umbrella on their on their auto insurance. If they can, I mean, it's expensive as I'll get up down here in New Orleans. But to me, that's a financial planning issue that falls in the financial services. What I see a lot of PNC shops they offer financial services because they sell annuities and life insurance. Well, you get a guy like me who's who's got a CFP, and we're gonna kind of we're gonna look at that and say, man, that's not that's not financial services. That's not financial planning. That, that's that's a product sale, right, wrong, or indifferent. That's a product sale. So, so you really have to define: am I, am I selling annuities and life insurance, or am I delivering financial planning services? Right. And financial planning services could be consultative. It could be investment management. You know, if you come to me and and you know I've got a, a PNC shop and I'm 
you know, I've got one mutual fund company or two mutual fund company or three mutual fund companies that I'm selling their, their investments to like, Oh, you know, Bradley, you're, you know, this is how old you are. Let's put some money in here. Man, I would argue that's not financial planning. It's part of the financial services business, but you don't know anything about that person. You don't know if that's a good recommendation for them or not. You don't, you, you, you might not have access to, to products or services or investment portfolios that might be more appropriate. And it's not wrong. It's, you just have to define what you're going to do. Right. So financial services does include property and casualty insurance. I would say, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Did you, did you know, guys, did you know this? If you ask Siri, what industry has created the most millionaires in the history of the United States of America, she will answer the financial insurance. services, financial the financial services. services industry. I mean, banks are financial services, right? Yeah, right. Eric, here it is. The year of our Lord, 2021. And one of the things we wanted to talk to you guys today about was coastal insurance. These two gentlemen that are on this podcast today are on the coast. Now, I'm in one of the most competitive insurance markets in the world. I've got Fountain Parker and Harbor, three blocks from me. They've been in business since 1923. They have every carrier known to mankind. Not to mention you have effing NASA in your town. I have got Craig Wiggins Allstate, one, two miles down the road from me, one of the largest Allstate agencies in the country. I've got Tammy Elders, old row, old school Huntsville, knows every single person that grew up in Huntsville, Alabama, former nationwide agent, expert in insurance contracts, and one of the best insurance agents in America, a mile and a half from me. I have got the best of the best of the best of the best that surrounds me. Now, here's my take on coastal insurance. When I think of coastal insurance, I think of Chevy Chase in the original vacation movie when he walks up on the old boy that's been fixing his car and the guy's got that wrench in his hand. And he said, so, sir, how much is it going to be? And he goes, how much you got? Mm hmm. Pretty much. That's what I think about when I think of coastal insurance, like Wild West, you know, everybody's got the same carriers. Everybody's paying too much. Everybody's, am I wrong or am I right about that? So man, depends on the year. Yeah. Here's what I'll say when I have someone moving down here and they're buying a house and their lender refers them to us. Um, even if they don't want them to, because we have all our lenders trained to send us everything anyway. And they're like, oh, my agent back in Ohio is handling it. <laughs> right. Or my agent in Birmingham is handling it. Like we got, they, no, we got a fun one. It's not one. properly equipped. You, you, you're not, if you're not a coastal writer, you're not properly equipped to write in South Alabama or Louisiana. And even my friend David Carruthers has said, after many conversations with him in the two or three times we've been together the, this year, he said, dang, I think the Alabama market is more difficult than Florida. In people, a lot of ways, it is. People don't know. So we have a friend in common. We have a friend in common. I'm not going to say his name, but he's constantly telling me, Eric, you have too many contracts. Um, we, I don't know, like I, I, 20 plus contracts that I can write a homeowners with. I know who that and is. I, and I don't even have all the ones that I want. And they give too many contracts. You, you need three. I said, three. He goes, pick your top three. I said, I'd be out of business in less than two years. He yeah. goes, but your life would be so much easier. I'm like, because I won't have a You'd business. Be out of business yeah. I'd be out of business. Yeah. Yeah. That's we have like, I think 45 contracts I counted. And, and, and here's the other thing about you guys. I don't understand. 
is I'm I'm five and a half hours away from Bradley in Huntsville, Alabama, in the very tip top of the state. Bradley is in the very bottom of the state, and half the carriers that he mentions to me or more, maybe three-quarters of the carriers he mentions to me, I don't even know who they are. I'll do you one better. Atmore, Alabama is where I grew up at. It's 45 minutes north of me. It's 45 minutes from where I'm sitting right now. The insurance agents there have likely never heard of 80% of the carriers we write through. You know why? They can't get rates high enough up there to compete. Exactly. Because you because because the problem is all the carriers that we write with are coastal, they're regional. They're they're these they're out of Florida. They're right mm-hmm. out of Carruthers backyard, half of them. They write in Louisiana, maybe Texas, maybe yeah. Florida, Alabama, Mississippi, maybe South Carolina. They don't have premium from yeah. other parts of the they're not diversified to use here's, an investment term, Scott. They have no diversification of premium. <laughs> here's why it's more difficult than Florida. I'm gonna give you this is not factual. I'm gonna give you my opinion, okay? And, and stick with me, Scott, because I think this will be interesting. And I'm not th- this first part I'm about to say is is all through hearsay. I don't know this factually. If anybody wants to check me on this, please do. But Florida has citizens insurance. Okay, everybody's heard of citizens insurance. Florida has citizens insurance, which, from what I understand, is kind of like a state-run insurance company. Essentially, feel free, podcast listeners, to verify me on this. But I was told this by carrier reps. So I'm going to take it and roll with it. And I use this information to form my opinion about why the coastal market in Alabama, Louisiana, are more difficult than Florida. So, Florida has citizens insurance. I would probably argue, and there's other states have citizens, but I'd probably argue that Florida has more citizens policies than any other state. I think everybody on this podcast would agree with that. So if Eric and I want to create an insurance carrier tomorrow, we can go to citizens insurance. We can form a company. We can form E&B insurance carrier. We can actually buy policies from citizens and we take over the risk on those policies. Okay. Those clients get a letter in the mail that says, hey, congratulations, you're no longer with Citizens. You're with Eric and Bradley Insurance. And now we are now an insurance carrier domiciled in the state of Florida. We're Demotech rated. All you got to do is pay a bunch of money to get Demotech rated. It's way easier than AM Best. We now have an insurance company. Now, I don't have to tell you why that causes a lot of problems with a lot of the Florida carriers because they're buying these policies that aren't profitable business to begin with, right? And trying to build a company on top of them. However, what happens is because of that, a lot of these coastal specialized carriers are founded in Florida. They're not founded in Alabama. Thus, they have, they're in business a few years before they go to other states, right? So you go write home insurance in Florida, you have way more options than you do in Alabama. And that's my theory as to why Alabama is more difficult to write coastal insurance than Florida. So how hard is it though, Bradley, if I'm in Huntsville and let's say I eat a bad piece of pizza tomorrow night and I wake up and I decide I want to open up a, an insurance agency, PNC agency in Pensacola, how hard is it to get contracted with all of these mom and I call them I'm, I, this might be the wrong terminology but I call them like mom and pop insurance carriers <laughs> so I would actually like to get Eric's answer to this question as well but so it depends so if they are in if they've got rate and they're in growth mode uh it's not hard at all which is one of the things that allowed portal to get appointed with so many of them 
will you run into some that are a little bit more difficult that mm-hmm. want requirements? So, yeah, absolutely. How long have you known the rep for, Scott? Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know any of the reps because I don't exactly. know any of these characters. So, I don't even know the names of all these. So yeah. You'll run into some of that, but generally speaking, it's relatively easy because a lot of them are set up as MGAs who are acting as carriers. It's always it's traditionally at a 30,000 foot view. It's a lot easier to get appointed with an MGA than as a carrier. Right. And we got signed up. We talked. I had a, a rep from a trucking MGA reach out to me on Instagram yesterday. We're quoting business with them today. It's a lot right. more easier than it is auto owners or travelers, right? So there's Louisiana, that. Louisiana is a commercial auto desert. Yeah, it's where commercial auto right. companies go to die. So that being said, in 2021, with a hard market where everybody's pulling out and there's no clear winner, if you called all of our carriers and tried to get appointed, they'd probably laugh at you. Um, because oh, they're like, like the last thing they're worried about right now is bringing on a new agent. They're worried about cost control and limiting their risk and really, really, really hoping that a tornado or a hurricane doesn't come up the trough this year. So that's mm-hmm. my kind of answer to that question. I would love to hear what Eric has to say. And I don't want this to turn into a, a bitch session for lack of a better. No, phrase, I, so. when I went independent, or when I went independent, when we started the independent agency back in 2010, I actually considered looking at some of, um, we don't have the, at least I don't think we do the like the aggregators that y'all have up north or the Scott, like the big, what are the SIA or no, whatever you, well, you do, but are. they don't have any of the carriers. Well, yeah. They don't have any product for us down here. So there's no point in hooking up with them, but we kind of have these, these kind of like uh you know, bright way TWFG agencies are, I call them kind of like captive independence. You're not guaranteed contracts, but it's easier to get them that way. And I chose not to do that because I figured I was young when I was, 30 at the time. And I was, I got time. I'm playing the long game. I'm not going to give them up. I'm not going to, I'm not going to whore myself out to them and have to live by their rules. There's times where I go back and think, man, I, I wish I would have, but there's also times where I'm glad I didn't, but it's a grind dude getting contracts. My biggest complaint down here is contracts. I think my new play Bradley is I'm going to go to these companies and I'm going to start off. Look, Hey, I know you're not giving contracts. Let's not even talk about writing business. I'll take, give me a contract though. And I promise you, I will not write business for six months. I just want it because I'm sick and tired of these companies saying, oh, you're, you're on my list, right? And they contract me when they're no longer hot. Mm-hmm. They contract yeah. me after it's like, dude, like I've been on you for three years and now you're going to get in the, and you're going to bust my chops for not writing anything. Yeah, Man, we had one carrier. I pursued them for maybe a year, year and a half. They finally contracted me. They're in my office a few months later. Wow, you really haven't written anything. I'm like, you're not competitive anymore. Like, what do you want me to do? Yeah. You know, I talked to Andrew Ryan a lot and, and our conversations are interesting because he's in Ohio. And in one day he said, you know why our conversations are so interesting, Bradley? I said, why? And he said, because every carrier in the United States of America wants to sell insurance in Ohio. He's like, look at any new insure tech. They're always like, congratulations. We're in Ohio. First, and He's like, nobody wants to be in South Alabama. I'm like, that, right. that, that's true. And you know, so I, I, I wanted to talk about this because agents who are in the middle of the state in Kentucky, Ohio, these breadbasket states have no earthly idea what we deal with or what we like. You know, I tweeted not too long ago in, in a conversation and I mentioned that none of our carriers work on raiders and I had so many or that we didn't use a raider. And I had people like, are you stupid? Like, why don't you use a raider? Like, 
Like that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I don't understand. Freaking give aren't me one with my carriers be, and I'll use it. Aren't you supposed to be Bradley Flowers like insured that? I'm like, none of our carriers are on Raiders. They're like, they're not what? I'm like, they're not on Raiders. They're like, what do you mean? Like, they don't use Raiders. T H E Y D O N T Raiders. You know what they just say? It's like they just they they don't they have no idea what it's like. It's like selling super high risk ENS commercial middle market, but you're doing it on a homeowner's policy. That's what it's like. What? There's no we did they don't download? I've asked high up people at carriers before. Do you guys download to Ivan's? And they literally look at me like, what the hell is Ivan's? And if they do download, it's they download like data to the wrong fields. It's like, seriously? Well, like, I've gotten to where, hard. as you guys can imagine, I'm a squeaky wheel with all my carriers. And I've gotten to where I've championing and pushing a lot of them to download. And a lot of them have started downloading. Not that downloading is an end all be all. It sucks. But now I'm, I'm taking the rhetoric of, hey, look, if you're not going to download commissions as well as policy, you might as well not even do it. They're like, what do you mean? I was like, because like the worst part about having a carrier that's not downloading is reconciling commission statements. Mm. Like I can enter the policy info in and be honest with you, it's probably more accurate than the stuff you get from Ivan. I'll tell you one of the challenges right here, Scott, of running a agency on the coast when you're dealing with so many different companies. This was the biggest challenge about four years ago. I literally took about three or four months and sat down. I'm physically saying downstairs, pointing downstairs where the insurance is run. I sat in the front desk, kind of the, I would say, what, probably the most integral uh, role of the agency. All the phone calls came in. They controlled all the downloads. Every piece of data that entered our agency pretty much went through that seat. Right. And man, our processes were a mess. For four months, all I did, I sat down at a, at a Google Doc open and literally had about 30 pages of notes when it was all said and done. I knew how every single one of our carriers communicated with me, whether they downloaded. And if they did download, which ones downloaded correctly and which ones downloaded poorly and what we had to do to correct them. So I literally had to build an agency where, dude, we're running 10, 15 processes at times. And one thing I had to learn quickly was to stop looking at other agencies, not in my area as a model. That drove me crazy. Like, man, I love, I love Miles, Miles Merwin, you know, Miles right out in South Carolina. The dude is a phenomenal business operator. I'll talk to him and we'll, we'll, he'll geek out on his processes and we'll go back and forth. I'm like, I can never run an agency. There's, I can never, ever run an agency that way. If I had one carrier that downloaded to me the way your carriers downloaded, that'd be awesome. Yeah. I got 15 carriers that don't. I and dream sometimes about selling insurance in Birmingham and riding through Safeco, Progressive and, and Travelers and Safeco. So yeah. guys, guys, here's what I need you to do for the 250,000 insurance agents that are listening to this. We are taking this podcast very granular. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is we're going to get down to the lowest, lowest level. Here's what I want you guys to tell our listening audience. If Scott Howell eats a bad piece of pizza tomorrow night and I wake up and I look at my wife and I say, you know what? We're moving to Gulf Shores and I'm going to buy us a house right on West Beach on the water. We're going to live. We're going to smell the beach when we get up in the mornings. You're going to be able to walk out of our beach house and just walk down West Beach on the water in Gulf Shores. Okay. I need you to tell the listening audience today, because there's a lot of these people that don't understand this because they don't have a hurricane coming up their ass about every three weeks. Okay. (laughs) If they had a hurricane, 
coming up their ass every three weeks, they would understand this in ways they never dreamed possible, but they don't. How does Scott Howell call Bradley and get a homeowner's policy in terms of the puzzle pieces there of having a homeowner's policy that isn't that is for all perils, okay, except for wind and hail. Now, how does that piece get picked up? Bradley, do you want to start this? Because I know both of you deal with this. Well, I'm going to tell you what I would do. If I were moving to Gulf Shores and I wanted to, or or Orange Beach, and I wanted to open up an agency, the first thing I would do would be, Bradley, let's franchise Portal Insurance and open up a branch on Orange Beach. By the way, if anybody wants to do that, I'm down. I am Um, not talking about that at all, though. I'm talking about Scott just decides he's going to retire and move to go. So you have a couple different, you have a few different dynamics to insurance on the coast. That's a, that's a great question. Um, And I say all this, it sounds like I'm fussing like, yeah, there, there are issues, but all the issues that Eric and I are talking about, we trade off for really, really high premium. Our average homeowner's premium is $2,500, which is not stupid high but it's higher than the average in the united states of america but that rolls into my question is yeah, that it does. it does is that average premium that's not homeowners or is that both or is that's that home wind and- that's home that's home that's home that's, that's, fire, home. Wind, that's home. fire wind hell yes but that's not down at the beach now you go down at the beach it's i've got a buddy down at the beach that arguably doesn't sell more insurance in terms of number of accounts that we do but writes a hundred thousand dollars in premium more a month than we okay do. what Go back to my original question. Yeah, I, I, will. I so, call you. Uh-huh. What do I have to have to satisfy the mortgage? Yeah. So down here, you're going to have everything. You're going to have to have everything that you would have anywhere else in the country. So they're going to require hazard insurance is the way the mortgage company is going to call it, which is your fire, your wind, your hail, that sort of mm-hmm. thing. You will run into some instances where they require flood. Ironically, we don't. I don't actually run into flood as much as you would think, but you do run into that. We have run into some situations where somebody's using like a national bank and a processor and underwriter that's not local here, and they just require flood. Like even if it's not even if the floods on X, they're like, "Hey, we just want flood." But you're looking Which at a couple. I think they should actually do quite. Honestly. Yeah, absolutely. In New Orleans, Everybody should. They did the maps, redid the maps in New Orleans, and like half the properties went to X, and like everyone dropped their flood insurance. I'm like, guys, y'all freaking crazy. Like yeah. we live eight feet below sea level. Right. Exactly. So we actually have a flood disclaimer. We get every single client to sign that basically says we offered it to them, but they, they didn't buy it. Um, so there's a couple of dynamics. There's a couple of things you need to know if you're buying a house down here or you are insuring a house down here. Let's say you're in Nebraska. You have a client moving, moving here. You don't want to refer them to Bradley or Eric. Um, you want to try and do it yourself. Okay. Your Safeco's, your Travelers, your auto owners, your Cincinnati's, your Westfields, your all these blue blood carriers that you know, they're going to give you a quote and the quote's going to be stupid high. What you're going to find out when they get to the closing table, hopefully you find out the closing table, these companies are not going to do wind. Okay. That's the policies exclude wind. So then what you're going to run into is you can do one of two things. You can find the client a policy that does wind. Or you can do the very popular thing amongst the company I used to work for. You can split the wind off and you can write them a standalone wind policy through a Lloyd's of London, a Giovera, an AIUA, which is essentially Alabama's version of citizens. And that, in my opinion, is not in the best interest of the customer because 
one, you increase the chances that something's going to go wrong and the mortgage company pays one policy, not two, which nor happens is it a in lot. the best interest of running an efficient <laughs> shop, nor is it in the best, best interest of efficiency. But then also you have the dynamic of those policies. A lot of times are ACV. A lot of times they're DP1, DP2. You know, you get into all that kind of stuff. You want to go to either a, a Lloyd's of London MGA, a Swift, but there's a company called Orion 180 that we put a lot of business from. My favorite company is a company called Sagesure that has contracts with Federated National, Occidental, AM Best A rated, all that, all that kind of stuff. Those are the kind of companies. It's going to be companies you've never you've never heard of. There's a couple of additional dynamics. If the house you're insuring has a roof that is over 15 years old, if it's not in absolutely perfect, immaculate shape, the carrier either is not going to write it or they're going to require you to go ACV on the roof. Now, all that being said, the most Scott, important- Scott, he's telling the truth. The most he's saying right now yeah. is true. And I probably 10 years, but I'm going to say 15. The other day I was, I was up in Ohio and I, was pull, I pulled up agency Zoom and I pulled up our service pipelines and I was showing, I was showing them to Hanley actually. And I said, hey, this is our post-bind inspection pipeline. And he says, what the heck is a post-bind inspection? I'm like, all of our carriers go out to our homes after we write them and they do an inspection. And eight times out of 10, they're going to find something. This pipeline is where those things go so we can track them. Um, But the thing that's the most important when you're writing insurance on the coast or buying insurance on the coast, in my opinion, is are, are the deductibles. So down here on the coast, you're going to have split deductibles. You're going to have one deductible. It's your all other peril deductible, fire, theft, liability. You're going to have another deductible that's one of three things. It's either a wind deductible, a name storm deductible, or a hurricane deductible. Okay. Depending on the carrier, they'll offer one of those three and it's a percentage. Okay. So if you're a customer listening to this, you don't want to go 5%. A lot of my, my lovely competition likes to default to 5% deductibles. I don't have to explain to all the insurance agents on here what a 5% deductible means. Our agency typically starts at two. We will go up to three in the event that the client requests the five. We get them to sign a disclaimer saying we don't recommend this, but they wanted to go with it anyway. So in short, those are kind of the dynamics you're looking at. So, and there's, the pay- and there's no payment options. It's painful. Painful. Escrow. So Bradley, going back to my example, if I bought a house in Gulf Shores. Yeah. Did I answer you your question? Yeah, I think so. You could put me with one carrier that would yeah. offer all of the. We will. The we will put you with one carrier. plus plus wind. Yeah, we don't do split policies in my office. We don't do split. We policy. never have. We made it. Yeah, I turned down a traveler's appointment because they, in order to fulfill their production requirements, we would have had to do that, and they told me to do that. How and, on earth do you keep all of your clients understanding all of this? ACV stuff about the roof and the 5%, 2% deductible. How do y'all keep them at claim time from coming back to you pissed off? Yeah. Because they go, well, you didn't tell me that. So, so you didn't now, tell me they were going to pay me ACV on well, my Scott, roof. Now I you got a $12,000 roof. I only got paid $3,000 on. Now you know every why citizen, we have so many disclaimers. Yeah. Every citizen of Southeast Louisiana and probably Mississippi and coastal Alabama they know more than we know as insurance mm-hmm. agents. It's amazing to me how educated. <laughs> yeah. Air quotes. Yeah. Because they are more educated than the average insurance consumer. They probably are. For sure. Now that you 
you say that, that makes perfect sense, Eric, because they know they know they they've probably been through this at some point. Yeah. And I'm, right? I'm, let me say this. Let me say this. You're talking about getting the client to understand, dude. Get the agents, the people writing it, to know. Like, keep up with ten companies. You 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 might have fifteen carriers in the books with property. Like, you can't remember who's ACV, who depreciates roofs, who's got yeah. a named storm, who's got a hurricane deductible. Who's it's it's near impossible, man. We obviously record all our phone calls. We go over our quotes in depth. We know our crap backwards and forwards when it relates to carriers. But in addition to that, we do two things that I think, three things that I think help us. We have these little disclaimers. We get every client to sign an application every single time, even if it's a carrier that doesn't require us to get the app signed, which we have a few of. And not only does the client sign the app, the client signs every single page of the application. And we will initial by the deductibles, the coverage, the endorsements, that sort of thing. And then we also send out a renewal questionnaire, every renewal that asks things like, have you added a trampoline? Have you replaced your roof? Have you added a pool? Which those are normal things. Those aren't pertinent to coastal. And it's basically a CYA for us. Like, hey, you, we sent you this survey the last four years in a row. You didn't fill it out. But I Never. left one thing out, Scott. There was a company called IBHS. Are you familiar with IBHS, Eric? Sounds familiar. So IBHS, I believe their, their website is disastersafety.org. Uh, IBHS stands for Insurance Institute for Business and Home Safety. Okay. IBHS yes. has developed. This is the build- Fortified Home. It's yes. like the Fortified Home. A program yeah, yeah, called yeah, yeah. Fortified Home. This is where a lot of agents screw up when they're writing business on the coast. They develop a program called the Fortified Home Program. I guess that's what it's called. It's Fortified Home. There's three levels. There's gold, silver, bronze. It's building codes, essentially in layman's terms, it's building codes above and beyond standard building codes. There are more fortified homes in Mobile and Baldwin County in Alabama than anywhere else in the world. It's like 99% of them are in Mobile and Baldwin County. And I'm actually trying to get someone from IBHS on the podcast to talk about it. But it's things like hurricane shutters on your house, securing the roof decking down. There's a special kind of tape they can secure the roof decking down to keep it from leaking. The nails that they use in the house are more robust and have ridges on them compared to standard nails. All these things that make the house more secure, you get massive discounts on your homeowner's policy if your house is one of these three things. I'm sitting in a house now that's fortified bronze, which is just the roof. Um, And bronze is actually not the name. That's kind of the slang name for it. But what happens is a lot of agents will write a policy down here and they'll they'll put, oh yeah, it's a gold house. Yeah, they'll either put the discount on there, which creates a huge E&O issue, or they won't put the discount on there and it costs the client five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars sometimes. Um, Are you suggesting they lie? Not at all. I'm saying they find out what if the house is fortified or not. And then what you'll run into too is people will buy a house. You know, a, a lot one thing the realtors around here are really bad about is not putting in the real estate listing is the house gold. And so if you're buying a house down here, you need to know those things. You know what I mean? So that's another really big one that we come across. All right. Last question. Then I got to let him go. Eric. Yes, sir. There are two states in the United States that if you mention the word insurance, people start laughing because they just seem to be the bastard child, if you will, of the insurance world. Those two states are New York and Louisiana that I can think of that just, for some reason, 
and I need your help on this because I want to teach these insurance agents this. Why is Louisiana one of those states that's like, you just mentioned the word insurance. Because all of our commissioners, for the most part, have been to jail. (laughs) Is that that what it is? Possibly. (laughs) Not the current guy. That's that's part of it. Maybe. I I think if you have an auto policy with me, and so with certain carriers and you have an accident in either Louisiana or New York, it just automatically gets investigated. Oh, so, so number one, we, from an auto standpoint, we have the highest, I think we still have the highest rates in New Orleans. There's a lot of fraud too in Louisiana. Ton I think fraud. that's what it is. I think yeah. it's insurance fraud in those two States. It's just off the charts. It's Kinda fraud. Like it's fraud and it's, it's, the roofers and stuff too. It's cheaper for an insurance company just to, to pay you out than to go to court to litigate it. Yeah. And the yeah. threshold for, for so long, I think they've recently changed it. It's it's so easy for people to litigate this stuff because the threshold is so low. So they go to court. Yeah. So you have like the yeah. assignment of benefits thing too. You know, assignment of benefits that the roofer gets the client to sign this, basically giving the roofer control of their insurance policy where the insurance company is paying the roofer directly rather than going to the client. I have roofers come to my office all the time wanting me to refer them business. And the first thing I ask is, do you guys do assignment of benefits? And if the, they'll, and they'll, they think I'm thinking like, it's a good thing, you know, cause they can't see anything, but from their point of view, and like, Oh yeah, we do. I'm like, okay, sorry. We don't refer to roofers that do assignment of benefits. And what I tell client, the, you know, to a lot of clients they are like, well, that seems indifferent. Like, why would I care? And what I tell them is, is by signing an assignment of benefits, you are systematically ensuring that the roofer gets paid the maximum amount of money on your policy and it has n- on your claim and it has no bearing if your claim gets gets handled in a timely fashion or not. What's Eric about to say? I'm wondering what he's about to I think he's about to disagree. I, no, no, I'm not. I'm not. That's like I'm like, I'm just kind of, you know, he's saying this is like when people start talking about workers' comp, my eyes glaze over. Like I don't know what you just said. <laughs> well, uh, no, so I, I just so, wondered I, mean, that. I would I would say, I would say too, Scott, like. First, I, mean, I want to go back to something that Bradley was talking about earlier about like his uh, after the sale audit or whatever, you know, kind of like, man, you got a pipeline for that. Selling selling homeowners insurance on the coast, or I talked from my perspective in New Orleans, it's kind of like selling life insurance. You put an application in and you wait 30 days to see if it, the price is going to change yeah. right. or if it's going to be if it's going to be approved. It is. And, and the challenge is when you're dealing with someone, let's say you got an existing client and you have to re- remarket them. Man, you want to write them. You think it's going to be better over here, but you're not sure. But you don't want to cancel this because if you cancel this one, you won't. There's no way you're getting it back. So it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a tricky. It's frustrating tricky. too seeing. I'm sorry, I'm on a tear today. It's frustrating too seeing these insure tech companies come in. We're changing the insurance game. We're disrupting the insurance game, but yet we're selling auto insurance in Ohio or renters insurance in Nebraska. You're not doing anything differently than anyone else's. You're not solving a difficult problem at all. You want to solve an insurance problem? Go into Florida, go into Louisiana, go into South Alabama, go go into California where the wildfires are. Go solve those problems. You want to disrupt the insurance industry? Do that. Someone who just went to the one of when they're like a big. What was that conference up in Chicago recently where there were a bunch of people? Was it a tech conference? INA, I don't know what. INA. It was the, the insurance network. So like the the conference for the clusters, basically. Yeah. So anyway, someone posted something about some technology and what would you want it to solve? And I replied back and I said like two things, really simple things, like something about like, I want my companies on a radar and then something else. And they were like, that's it? Seriously? I'm like, 
dude, that would be revolutionary. Dude, so that's why I think I told, so that's why like Zach Mefford at Zip Bonds and the folks over at Propeller, like they're solving such a boring, simple problem. But the thing is, there's nobody else is doing it. Right. You know what I mean? F solve the simple stuff, solve the simple problems. And I don't mean to try and downplay anybody's hustle or marketing message. I, for one, can appreciate the marketing message of we are disrupting you know, whatever, but like, don't come in and say that. And then one, you're not doing anything different than anybody else. And two, we all know your goal is to freaking exit and sell and make a hundred X on your money. And guess who you're going to sell to? You're going to sell to the freaking establishment that's going to kill your product or keep it the same at best. You know, right, right. anyway, sorry, guys. I apologize. Eric, Eric. Eric I really Scott. appreciate you being on the show today. I, I do think this is an excellent podcast for middle America. Mm -hmm. All of my men and women that are in that middle America, Midwest region that maybe don't have the hurricanes, the tropical storms, the flash floods, all the, well, maybe they have some of that, but some of this stuff that we deal with down here. And along the eastern seaboard and even in California where they're doing this, they're doing the same things out there. It's just maybe different companies, doing, you know, but it's the same, same stuff. I mean, somehow, some way that's, that's where we're kind of getting with all these uh, wildfires out in California and Arizona. They're, they're probably dealing with the same scenario based on those out yeah. there where regional carriers. And if I was to call out there and ask to talk to an agent, they'd probably have carriers I've never heard of that are riding that type of business. Mm -hmm. So I find it very interesting. <clears throat> the podcast that we have never actually touched on. And I know why Bradley's so passionate about it because he does it every day. And this is, this is his world. This is where he lives. And same with Eric, you do the same thing down there. So I really appreciate you being on the show today, Eric. We'll have to have you back on. We need to talk next time some more about financial services. That's, what, do it, that's, man. The, that's the part I, I probably should have, you know, gotten to before we got off the show today. Yeah, I complained about insurance. Before, That'll get me excited. Before y'all got Bradley fired services. up and we went off the rails. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Bradley. Well, well guys, Bradley, were, this was supposed to be about me, Bradley. Sorry. <laughs> You're the rock. You're the rock star. You're the hero. Eric is an I, awesome freaking person that I've gotten to know over the last few weeks, and you guys need to connect with him online for sure. Absolutely. Guys, as I always like to end every podcast, rewards come from action, not discussion. Get your ass out from behind that desk today. Go out into the big bad world and have 10 conversations a day with prospects about insurance, about quoting their business. That is the magic number. 10 conversations a day, and you will be able to live the life that you've always wanted to live and get your damn driveway paved. That's an inside joke. Go write business for your wife, for your husband, for your kid's college fund, for your parents that are struggling out there today. Write good business for the companies that you represent and write good business for the agencies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Guys, you are listening to the Insurance Guys podcast, and we love each and every one of you. And we will see you back here next week on the next episode of the Insurance Guys podcast. Take care.
Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at scott at iprotectinsurance.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to portalinsurance.com or email him at bradley at portalinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. We thank you so much for listening to our show and being a part of our family. And we look forward to seeing you again next week on the next episode of the Insurance Guys podcast. Take care.